0: Our episode today is on webinars, and if COVID-19 has found you with all of your trade shows canceled, you might be thinking, wow, it's time to start a webinar program, or perhaps you have dabbled in webinars, but you're looking to get better. This episode is a great introduction. I bring on Danny, who plans webinars for a company called Procurify, and she talks about best practices and things she's learned in her job with webinars. So this is a bit of an introduction, a lot of great best practices within this short episode, and then if you want a deeper dive, definitely pick up my book, Content Marketing Engineered, where I have even more information about webinars. Let's get started. Welcome to Content Marketing Engineered, your source for building trust and generating demand with technical content. Here is your host, Wendy Covey. Hi, and welcome to Content Marketing Engineered. I'm your host, Wendy Covey. On each episode, I'll break down an industry trend, best practice, or challenge of marketing to technical audiences. Along the way, you'll meet friends and colleagues of mine who will share their stories, and my hope is that with each episode, you'll be inspired and ready to take action. Before we get started, I'd like to give a brief shout out to our sponsor, True Marketing. True is a full service content marketing agency located in beautiful Austin, Texas. For more information, visit truemarketing.com. So today I'm joined by Danny Howe. She's the head of community and events at Procurify. And she's also the host of a podcast called Spend Culture Stories. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks, Wendy, and I'm super happy to be here. Well, Danny, before we jump into our topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in content marketing and what you do today at Procurify? Yeah, for sure.
1: So it's um, a pretty long story, but I'll keep it short. So I actually started my career in a B2C. So I used to be a copywriter and a PR intern. So this was like way back in the day. Um, And then after doing, you know, PR and copywriting for uh, quite a few companies in the B2C space, I then decided to start my own content marketing agency. And this was for small, medium sized businesses um, within the local, you know, BC region in Canada. Um, So I joined Procurify actually in 2017 um, after, you know, I was kind of a little bit tired of working for myself and having to work remotely. Ironically, now I am again um, (laughs) as head of communications in 2017, where, you know, I was in charge of their 20 million series B, which was really exciting and their influencer marketing and guest blogging program. And, you know, today my role shifted a little bit more now where um, obviously I produced a podcast called Spank Culture Stories as part of our content strategy and I also lead the event marketing efforts um, where we do in-person and online events. So online events as in
0: you know, both webinars and also virtual events where they're a little bit more um, I guess interactive. You know what, uh, your job is near and dear to my heart because um, one of my first roles uh, as a professional was as an events coordinator and I planned all the trade shows and seminars and conferences and then and this will date me when the internet came along all of the traditional medias such as events and advertising and pr adopted their online counterparts and so webinars became my responsibility as well so i've been producing webinars since the 90s and i'm a huge believer in this channel so i'm so excited we're talking about this today and nice. how to yeah how to maximize this um, this channel and make it work for you totally um, yeah, so so let's just dive into the topic then. Um, I know you've found webinars to be a great lead generator. So why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, so um, let's just talk a little bit more about the timing right now, since it's super relevant. Um, COVID nineteen right. has really, you know, reduced conferences and in person networking events. I think, like you know, all the major conferences, at least in tech in the space where I am, have all been canceled. You know, and people still want to be able to network. People still want to be able to level up their knowledge in particular fields. And now that there's an urgency surrounding those challenges when there's a downturn, right? So business professionals are like, oh, my God, what do we do now? How do we learn from other people when we can't meet in person? So that's where, you know, online events where webinars really come in. And even though we're even if we weren't in a downturn, I feel like it's still such a great channel because when done right, webinars can be highly interactive and you can get a lot of intent data from the actual event. And you can also tell whether people are engaged depending on their responses to polling, for example, and also having like a clear lead follow-up journey. So there's a lot of, you know, hidden opportunities there.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up um intent data and that sort of thing because oftentimes, you know, high level I focus on wow, look at the cost per lead difference between a physical event and an online event. And that's true um, too. Yeah, but yeah. but then there's all these other things that you can measure that really are uh different than a face-to-face event too. So um yeah, the the, it, the technology's changed quite a bit. Um uh, Let's, let's talk about how to optimize uh, the actual webinar experience if you're a company looking to either improve or put these on for the first time. So one of the first things you might think of is, is what should I stage a webinar about and mm-hmm. what types of speakers should I include? So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I don't see webinars any different from any of the other types of pieces of content. So you got to really ask yourself, like what is the goal of this particular piece of content slash webinar? Mm-hmm. So is it to really just bring awareness to your brand or are you trying to really help um, the audience solve a particular problem that they might have? Or is this more of like a product related webinar where you're showing, you know, the value of your product or service in a way that um, is really actionable for them to really want to buy your product. So there's different obviously types of webinars and you have to think about where in the content funnel does this is fall. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about a little bit about like three main types. Um, one is, you know, obviously, the awareness-building webinar. So this one is normally about like industry trends, having a few influencers talk about their opinions in the space. Um, another type is when you want to bring awareness to a problem. So obviously, with COVID-19 and a downturn, um, at procureify, a lot of um, us are talking about control in the crisis. You know, cash flow. How do you plan for the future? So that's like super um, problem-aware, and that allows people to realize, oh, we might need a solution to these problems. And that leads to the last one, all right, where how does your product actually solve
0: problem X? Yeah, the urgency of a situation like this definitely lends itself well to webinars. And you can spin them up so quickly to address those problems that are pressing or new in the news. So um, great, great point there. Um, How about speakers? What types of people are good at at being a presenter on a webinar? Is it any different? Mm Yeah, for sure.
1: So I like to look for two types of speakers. One being, you know, more the analyst side of things. Um, These people normally are really good at interpreting data. They already know what's kind of going on in industry. So they're kind of like the industry know-it-all, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then another type of speaker that I love getting are just the very passionate influencers. So these people may not be experts, but they're really great moderators, they're really great hosts, and they have a huge network. So once you kind of involve them in the webinar and you know you involve them as a partner, they're also more willing to share them with their brand and
0: you can really have a partnership that really is a win-win for everybody. Boy, perfect. And I would add to that also a lot of times for true marketing clients, we'll have co marketing um, opportunities with, say, a solution provider and a product vendor. And so it's nice to co produce a webinar where you have a speaker from each and you leverage both databases and, of course, credibility from both companies to strengthen a message. Totally.
1: Especially, you know, the sweetness of like a lead sharing program. They love that, you know?
0: (laughs) Absolutely um how about promoting your webinar and getting people to attend what what tricks do you have up your sleeve for that yeah so you
1: kind of um actually stole one of my responses which is if you have a partners on board definitely Mm -hmm. leveraging their channels um so depending on like who you have on board whether it be an individual or maybe like a company sponsor for the webinar making sure that you set expectations early on Like, hey, how much um, reach do you have with your social media? Um, How big is your email list? Are you able to send, let's say, one emails or two emails? You can obviously, you know, talk about that a little bit. So with um, your partner's channels, first of all. And the second part, obviously, it's like the earned media. Um, So this is like, for example, if you want to pitch it to a few publications, especially when this is like a trending webinar, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, what should we do with the downturn? Um, sometimes journalists will actually um, mention that where they're like tune into this webinar to hear from influencer A, influencer B, that gets you some press. Um, Or there's actually a lot of event listings online too. This is really for more of the trade publications where they have like an event section. You can get your events listed. We work a lot with like, you know, the startup space. So um, there's this really good startup digest called, um, I think it's called startup tech digest, where they have like local newsletters for each city. So we actually submit them to each city
0: because, you know, it's online, anyone can join. And we get a lot of clicks from that. Nice. And then I assume you also email your own database and do promotion on, you know, social channels and kind of the traditional things you would do to try to reach out to people.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think like one um, under lever channel actually is making sure that If you are a B2B company, for example, if you have like a BDR sales team, these are like, you know, Mm -hmm. people who normally cold call, including like the webinar and upcoming events um, when they're actually talking to prospects. Because, you know, people don't usually want to get the pitch right away in that first call, right? They want to kind of know what the problems are, how you might be able to help. And it's really great to just offer that as a value add, right? Hey, like, you know, it's a great conversation. Maybe you're not
0: ready to buy. We have this webinar coming up if you want to check it out. Very good point. Now, you mentioned event listings, and so it made me think of another question. Uh, You have a a live webinar, um, and then you have recorded webinars that are just available on demand. What advice do you have to companies that are trying to decide which is best for them?
1: Yeah, for sure. I would definitely um, recommend like a mix if possible, you know, um, for the live webinars. You can definitely again get that intent data when you're running polls, for example, you can see how many people answered like this versus that and maybe you want to segment that list, depending on, you know, how many people registered and attended But with the on demand ones, um, the hidden opportunity there is just content redistribution and reworking it. So with um, every single webinar that we do, that's like, you know, on demand, we've done in the past, that's live. We also translate that into, for example, podcast episodes, maybe like infographics. We also do quote cards with them, the influencers that are featured. So this really gives us like basically so much content to really share for the rest of like a few weeks. So every time you do like a content piece, um, I think it's really important not to treat it as like a one-off, but like as mm-hmm. part of a program.
0: Repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. You know, exactly. when I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, wow, I I haven't gone from webinar to podcast yet. I, I haven't. This, so that's a new idea for me. Thank you. No uh, worries. Great. Um, and then I, you know, sometimes I know companies will employ something in between, which is the Uh, on-demand or I'll call it a pre-recorded webinar that's staged live and the question Q&A is live Um, But sometimes this is used for companies where the speakers are just kind of want to have it perfect, they're nervous about presenting, (laughs) and so you get that presentation recorded ahead of time, but you still have the interactivity as if, you know, it were live and and questions answered. So uh, anyway, for those of you working at, you know, technical companies and your engineers are feeling very shy, you can (laughs) consider door number C. Uh, Totally. It's always a good hack, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, well, as I mentioned before, the technology's changed a bunch since I I started doing webinars in the nineties. So talk to me about engagement and some of the cool new tools out there that you can use to just make this webinar more dynamic. Yeah, for
1: sure. So, um, I've used two tools in the
0: past and I think the audience will probably be quite familiar
1: with them. So one being go um, to GoToWebinars um, and another being WebEx. So these two are pretty like, you know, enterprise level tools, pretty straightforward. Like you can play the recording of a webinar and do a simulated live. You can run um, audience polling. But honestly, like one of the easiest hacks that you can do is just letting the speakers actually have their cameras on, you know, especially in remote events, right, where they don't just want to see a slide deck and they don't don't just want to hear a voice you know it's almost like you know coming from god or something (laughs) but when you have your camera on they know that it's a real person you can have eye contact with them it just makes it a lot more engaging so that's like a really easy win Um, another thing is that nowadays um, there's a lot of tools out there Um, like on 24 they're like a pretty new webinar platform you can actually do um, like live polling which is a little bit different from the regular polls you do on the webinars where it could be like OK, um, how many people agree with A versus B? And it will actually show up on your dashboard, which is really cool. You'll start seeing it rise. We um, unfortunately haven't really used On24 in our organization, but I've heard great things about it. Um, we use Zoom webinars as where our company is still you know, a startup. But um, if that's something to look at, especially if you have like you know, 200, 300 people, you can really get some really cool data insights from that.
0: Yeah, yeah, On24 is a great platform and uh, GoToWebinar also, I've used the polling feature in GoToWebinar and, um, you know, if you have enough attendees, then you have a nice sample set to actually quote statistics that you Mm -hmm. gather during that webinar in future blog posts and other places. So, another benefit too. Um, So, how do you know whether or not you did a good job with your webinar? What are some key metrics to watch?
1: So that's a really fair question because um, when we first started with these webinars, like we were measuring the wrong things. Um, ah. So I'll talk about first, like you know, obviously the vanity metrics. <laughs> so people normally think um, registrants, like that's the most um, important metric, and obviously it is important because it shows, oh, is this actually a topic that people are interested in? But it's still a vanity metric, right? Because how many people actually ended up coming to the webinar and from that, how many people were actually qualified MQLs for your business? I don't know if Mm -hmm. you, um, your listeners use the terminology MQLs, um, but basically they're marketing qualified leads. You know, they're within your ICP, um, they're within your buyer's persona, and they have some sort of intent to them. So um, after you get the list of leads, like the raw list of um, registrants, you want to see how many people actually engage within the webinar as attendees. And depending on the platform that you use, you'll see the percentage of like the um, engagement rate where some people they might jump off halfway or they might just leave it on but not like go do other things right. it will show you like 70 80 percent and those are the people then you want to really go back to them where it's like oh what did you think get their opinions on it um you could also look at for example whether they have participated in a poll and sometimes we would do a poll where it's intent driven where it's like are you thinking of switching a solution um a procurement solution in the next two years, for example, and if they mention yes, then we know these people are probably more ready to buy compared to the ones that said no. Mm-hmm. So you can segment your final attendee list as well.
0: You know, another uh, thing that I look out for is um, when we send the recording of the webinar to all the attendees and we usually send some other resources, you know, just, just deeper deeper dive into certain topics and just watching who clicks through on those resources, who engages further after the webinar. Absolutely. Like another, another good buying sign. Yeah. Totally. And He's, I think
1: like attributed pipeline too, right? Where, um, you've done your job as a marketer to bring uh, all these great MQLs in. Um, but will they actually, you know, convert right? And obviously when it passes on to sales, that's not really technically your role there, but, um, if they actually attribute to the pipeline, it means that you've done your job, bringing the right
0: people. Absolutely. That, that definitely equals success. Yes. Um, is there a minimum number of attendees that you would say is at least, is there a bar or, or a, you know, some sort of benchmark that people can use for B2B?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm getting a little bit vulnerable here. The first webinar that we did, we literally only had 10 attendees and we had maybe um, 40 registrants. And obviously that was a great learning lesson, but honestly, it's still a win. 10 people were there. 10 people were online for the entire time they answered polling you know the great thing about webinars is that the attendees won't know how many people are there but the organizers right. will <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's not really you know that big of a deal obviously yeah. there's learnings so you can come from it right so sure. what we did was we looked at where um the problems were was it because the topic was not relevant was it because of our distribution was it a distribution problem or was it because you know we weren't actually doing a good job actually um like increasing the attendance rate. So we started um, looking at those different places where normally people will get stuck
0: and Mm -hmm. start optimizing those and slowly they started climbing up. Great. We, um, we try for, and and I appreciate you throwing out numbers because, you know, they, it depends on so many factors, of course, business size and audience and how Mm -hmm. niche your topic is. Um, but I think some things you can look at. So we always try to, okay, can we get 50 in? Okay, we got 50. Can we get a hundred? We get a hundred. Can we break past a hundred? And, um, you know, and so you'll understand, I think, um, each of you individually from your own databases and whether or not it's co-marketing where that, um, you know, what that threshold should be that you call successful, but like you said, and did we retain them? You know, they actually attended, um, but how long did they stay, and did they click through, and all these things that we talked about previously, it really makes up the full picture of whether or not it was successful, not just that registered.
1: (laughs) Um, Totally. It's also consistency, right? Like, I think if you only run, like, one webinar, and then the next one you run is, like, in three months, your lead database is just kind of like waiting. They're like, oh, when's the next one? But then you don't give it to them. How are they going to be able to stay engaged? How do they know if this is like a program that they always want to be a part of, right? So it's important.
0: Absolutely. Well, gosh, this is great advice on webinars and and for somebody to get started. Um, Let's switch gears real quickly. I would love to hear more about your podcast. I can't wait to go give it a listen. So again, it's called Spend Culture Stories. So what is it that you focus on? Yeah, for sure. Um, So this is a
1: little bit um, out of the left field, I think, for a lot of your listeners. Um, But basically what we do is we want to tell the vulnerable and challenging conversations when people, organizations, and money meet. So we talked to a lot of CFOs, a lot of accounting leaders, um, founders too, in earlier stage startups on how to actually best manage your cash and also your organization. Cause you know, Mm. when people kind of work within organizations, there's always some culture conflicts and also the culture of the company really comes from the top down. Right. But we think that there's a subset of company culture called spend culture where it really kind of encompasses the beliefs of the employees within your organization on how they actually spend the resources and money. So in order to actually be able to come up with the coherent strategy and get your employees to follow it, the how do you actually manage cash is super important. So that's what we talk about in the
0: podcast. Boy, that resonates to me um, for a couple of different reasons. One, I used to work at a large organization that definitely had an articulated strategy for how you spend. Um, and there were all these anecdotes that were passed down about how executives handled certain expense report items. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of conversation around it. And I never thought of it as a cultural thing, but you know, now reflecting back, it certainly was. Um, And then, of course, with the dot-com boom, you had the opposite, sort of um, instead of watching maybe pinching pennies, you had... You know, people buying everybody at a restaurant lunch or or drinks at the bar because they IPO'd and had fake money for a while. So, uh,
1: (laughs) lots of different cultures there. Totally. And that's something really interesting, right? Like, we sometimes get people from the more traditional industries to talk about, okay, why is it so important for every employee to have to jump through hoops to get the budget that they need versus talking to a VC backed startup where they're like, well, it's not about the money, it's about what are you trying to do with it? Right? So you definitely right. see these different beliefs come into play.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Well, we have uh, part of our listener base, are um, executives, technical executives. So I think they're probably listening pretty closely. And of course I, I own my business, so I need to take it, uh, take a look as well. Uh, so where can our listeners go to connect with you and to see some examples of your webinars?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, you can, um, go on Procurify.com in the resources section. We have a lot of our on-demand webinars on there as examples, and we have some um, other ones coming up too that are listed in our section there. So that's Procurify.com, P-R-O-C-U-R-I-F-Y.com. Um, you can also check out um, the podcasts at spendculture.com. It's pretty easy to find. And yeah, feel free to also connect with me too. I'd love to hear about how you guys are approaching webinars and also your lead generation. Let me know if I can help in any way.
0: Great. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you so much, Wendy. This was so much fun. I love nerding out about content marketing <laughs> with people. <laughs>
0: Visit contentmarketingengineer.com for notes and resources from today's episode. While there, you can subscribe to my blog, which will keep you up to date on new episodes and other resources for building trust and growing your business with technical content. Thanks and have a great day.